What's up and welcome to the podcast, Real Conversations with Real Fucking People. I'm your host this evening, Dan Cooney. If it's your first time listening in, welcome to the show. And if you're a returning listener, welcome back. Here at Real Conversations, you won't find your average run-of-the-mill cookie-cutter bullshit talks. You're going to hear raw and uncut thoughts from the everyday person based on what they've learned from either research, life experiences, or even a mix of both. We're going to cover an array of topics from conspiracies and cover-ups, all the way to coping with or recovering from drug abuse. These will be the conversations that you may or may not have wanted to participate in, because you never know how they're going to turn out. So grab a seat, open a beverage, because, you know, I know we will be, and open your mind to listen to real conversations with real fucking people. Thank you for your support, and enjoy. Ladies and gentlemen, we got a good one for you tonight. We're talking about mental health and the growing prevalence of it in our society when it comes to people's emotional state. Being that our location is America, we're mainly going to talk about the issues that we see here. So on that note, I'd like to introduce you to my co-host for the evening. She's a young, talented entrepreneur who just happens to own the company that is bringing you tonight's episode, A Splendiferous Affair. You can check them out on Facebook. Uh, They are an event planning company in Berks County, Pennsylvania. So without uh, any further introduction, Miss Danielle Koch. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the show. Yes, I'm super excited. All right. So we are going to start a tradition. It was actually Danielle's idea. Whoop, whoop. Whenever we have uh, someone come onto the show to discuss things, there's a chance that it can get awkward. So, you know, why not start it with the ceremonial chugging of a beer? <laughs> if uh, if you listen to our intro, instead of just skipping through it like I normally would do to most other podcast intros, <laughs> you'll, hear, uh, you'll hear me say, you know, crack open a beverage tonight because, you know, we will. So, ready? Ready. One, two, three. Oh, God. Mental health. Um an ongoing crisis uh i myself have suffered through different kinds of mental health but i'm also the same type of person that doesn't really like labeling a problem i feel almost as if a lot of people use depression and anxiety as almost a crutch or a cry for attention i really believe that we have started making labels for everything to make excuses for normal generalized behavior so you know back in the day, like people didn't have anxiety or, you know, depression, they had the blues or they just, you know, didn't like going to social events. But now like, you know, we have a term for everything. It's almost like as if it's overused. Yes. I feel like we're just trying to normalize every single type of behavior. Like it doesn't, it doesn't always need a name, but in today's society, we give it a name and we give it like a diagnosis and there's a treatment for it. And there's some type of medication on the market to make you feel better once they've given you your new term. So now in your opinion, is that something that is done by us as a society or I hate to use this term, but big pharma, um, you think the pharmaceutical companies, they have a pill for pretty much anything nowadays? Um, That's a really good question. I feel like 
I feel like it really could be big pharma when you think about it because at the same time that they manufacture these types of pills and and treatments for these symptoms you know but no no i think it's us as a society trying to figure out what causes human condition like i truly just feel like people are so confused by why we act the way we do or why we feel uncomfortable you know what actually causes this and i feel like we are so desperate to find answers that we create the problems i like i like where you're going with that mm -hmm. now in that sense if you think about back when you know i'm i'm in my mid-30s you're in your early 30s back when we were children you know like you had you had said initially you know it wasn't always some type of issue it was some people would just get the blues in that sense you know is it Oh, shit. Where was I going with that? <laughs> <laughs> and the beer kicks in. Yeah. <laughs> hey, I, I was a light eater today. It's okay. <laughs> um, is it is it out of boredom? You know, I know when, when, I, was a, when I was a kid, you know, we didn't have TV. We didn't have cell phones. We didn't have something to do at every single turning moment. You know, you go outside, you ride your bike. You're sitting inside, you're sad, lonely, most likely because you were bored. You know, you go three doors down, you knock for Peter, Tommy. Just something that you would do. And I remember that well into my teenage years. I had, you know, I had uh, moments of sadness, but mostly they were fleeting. And then they would just be taken over by good friends, companionship listening to music playing video games you know you, you get with a bunch of your buddies you smoke a little bit of weed and go out and try and ollie the biggest roof gap you can find which in our case we were idiots and usually just tried to jump off the roof of 7-eleven <laughs> <laughs> you know there was there was things to do whereas you know now and myself included i'm bored i'm reaching for my phone mm -hmm. yes well, I think that has a lot to do with it. Speaking back to when we were kids, you know, I was a TV baby. Like, my mother put me in front of the TV, and that's where I lived when I was in the house. But my mother also kicked me out of the house. So it didn't matter if I had friends or something to do. Like, I found something to do. Like, my mother did not entertain me. My mother did not force me to sign up for a million different activities. Like, my mother was like, you do go figure it out. You know, and... I feel like in today's society, we overschedule, overstimulate, and push our children so much further, you know, than our parents did to us because we're trying to make things better for them. So looking at that, statistically today, one in three children has some kind of mental illness diagnosis in the United States of America. Because why? When we were younger, it wasn't one in three because we were out and we were experiencing our lives instead of, I don't know, our parents telling us what we should and shouldn't do and micromanaging our days and, you know, just, just, I don't want to say it, but like being up our butts, you know, like. Now, if, if I could cut you off real quick, it's funny that you had brought up statistics. Mm -hmm. Um, was, was that, that was off the cuff, right? One in three. No, that is a legit statistic. Um, according to the World Health Organization, I actually have a, uh, a picture here. As of October 4th, 
one in four people in the world will be affected by mental or neurological disorders at some point in their lives. Mm -hmm. Currently, there is around 450 million people who suffer from such conditions. It places uh, mental disorders among the leading causes of ill health and disability worldwide. I just, it's crazy that it is like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But I mean, I'm sure these problems have always been prevalent. Like, I'm not saying that mental illness was not something that was around before. I think we are overreaching with our definitions of mental illness. I don't feel like every child deserves an IEP. I don't feel like every adult needs Xanax. I don't feel like these are issues, maybe not issues, but I don't feel like these are real issues. Uh, issues. <laughs> I'm just going to keep saying issues. <laughs> Alan Iverson over here. Yes. Just, just, you just need practice. Yes. <laughs> um, but I mean, like when you think about it, like, you know, I work in a grocery store. So I am constantly around people who absolutely hate their jobs. And I hear it all day long. These people, they complain about being exhausted. They complain about feeling down. They complain about, you know, just general overwhelming sadness. Like you just hear it all day. These people, you know, they see doctors, they go to therapists, they have to take pills just to be able to come to work every day. Well, is it that they are naturally suffering from these diseases or do they actually just hate their jobs? You could quit your job at this grocery store and you could find another job where you would be happy, but these people would rather go to the doctor and take a prescription and continue to suffer through this you know, monotony on a daily basis instead of just pulling up their pants and, you know, getting a different job. See, now there you go. I think you hit the nail on the head with that one. They go to the doctor and they just take a pill to forget it. Comfortability. Mm -hmm. You know, they are comfortable in their own misery. And unfortunately, that's that's one of the things I see happening a lot anymore. Uh, you can't go onto social media anymore without, you know, you scroll through your newsfeed and it's, my kids did this, you know, my boss hates me, my life sucks. Whereas yesterday, your kids were great, your boss just gave you a raise, and you were going to Hawaii on an all-expenses-paid vacation. Mm -hmm. You know, and then tomorrow, things will be back to great again. But then Friday rolls around, and it's, oh man, you know, I just really need that beer because things are so hard, and I'm just struggling anymore. I think it's, it's, Part of it is possibly an actual mental disorder, um, like mental health disorder, whether it's depression, anxiety. But I think a lot of it also comes down to attention seeking, mm. um, which I, I'm not an expert. I'm sure that's probably a disorder nowadays. <laughs> and there really is no cure for it. Or is there? I do think there's a cure for it. I think it's taking ownership of yourself. I think it is, you know, eating healthy, diet, exercise, you know, whatever it is. But you have to physically make these changes. Like, I feel like if you if you seriously have a chemical imbalance, you take your prescription like the doctor says. But if you're just like, oh, my life is unfulfilling and oh, I just can't get out of this rut that I'm in, then maybe you just need to reevaluate the things that you're doing. It is nobody else's responsibility to make you happy. And if you're not happy, then that's something you need to take care of. You know, a pill is not going to fix that. Running seven miles, you know, a day is not going to fix your general unhappiness. 
personal accountability. Yes, you have to to look at yourself and look at what you're doing with your life. You know, you're sitting there on the couch every day, you're sitting on your phone, you're eating junk and you work at a job you hate. Well, yeah, what is your life? You literally spend two thirds of, well, a third of your life asleep, a third of your life at work, and a third of your life is free. So what are you doing with your life? If you spend every day, two thirds of it, doing something you don't like, and then the other third is sleeping, then what, what is your day? Why even get out of bed? You know, like I would be depressed too. <laughs> <laughs> you know, when you, when you go to work and, and you hate your job and then you come home and your kids are like, bap, 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 and then you're running them here, running them there. They oh, wait, have... I got to cut you off real quick. I wish you people at home could have seen this. The, the way the kids are, the way the kids are bop, bop, bopping at you. <laughs> If you don't know Danielle, she is extremely famous for talking with her hands. And she's not even Italian, which makes it even funnier. <laughs> it's it's a defense mechanism, so if anybody gets too close, I can hit them when they're <laughs> when I'm talking. <laughs> so anyway, I'm sorry to cut you off. No, it's good. We're back to the bop bop bopping. So, you know, your kids come at you and they're like da, 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 da. now they're da, da, ding. And, you know, and then you're running them here and you're running them there. And then, you know, you're you're slopping down your cheeseburger that you got at a fast food joint because you're so busy running your kids around. You're exhausted. They're exhausted. Boom, it's time for bed. Like, if that is literally your day, what are you enjoying? What are you doing? You know, looking forward to your one week of vacation a year or, you know, whatever. Yeah, you know, I would be depressed too. And as far as anxiety, I mean, think about it. Why do we get anxious? What is that feeling of anxiety? It's your fight or flight, you yeah, know? Yeah. And, you know, back in the day, we were taught, you know, to stand up for ourselves. We were taught to defend ourselves. And in today's society, we are not taught to do that. We are taught to talk or to go find someone else to handle our situation. So we've never, we have, we're not nurturing the next generation to be able to tackle their own problems. So we're actually crippling future generations. I totally feel like we are. We are confusing our children. <laughs> like we as adults are confused enough because of the generation that our parents grew up in. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so I feel like we were so confused because they were so confused. And now we're even more confused as we're trying to parent our children better than we were parented. Not that our parents even did anything wrong. You know, there was nothing super wrong with the way that we were raised. You know, we were raised to be independent. We were raised to do things with our hands, to think for ourselves. Like our parents gave us, you know, when the streetlights come on. That's when you come home. My parents never knew what the hell I was doing until the streetlights came on. <laughs> you know, and I think about it like, yeah, you know, I tell my kids like, oh, yeah. I used to, you know, just go and I'd run with my friends and we'd ride our bikes. And then I really think about it. And I'm like, dude, I was like seven. I was like five blocks away from my house. My parents had no idea where I was. I wasn't wearing a helmet when I rode my bike. When we got thirsty, we drank from a hose. <laughs> you know, I was probably about... <laughs> Eight or nine years old, my Uncle Jimmy was living in Jersey. They were in Woodbury Heights. It was my Uncle Jimmy, my Aunt Ro, and my cousin Renee. Uh, my mom would take me there on the weekends, and she would hang out with my Aunt Ro. And um, it was the 90s, you know. All the adults would sit around drinking, laughing, hooting, hollering, having a good time. Uh, my Aunt Ro had a big backyard, playground down at the end of the street. So, you know, the kids were kind of 
left to fend for themselves. You know, my cousin Renee was only maybe two, three years older than I was. So, you know, the big one kind of watches the little one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I remember one night I actually got, I think it was second degree burns. Um, they had a, like a, a big brick, like outdoor kitchen kind of mm-hmm. that, you know, they would do bonfires on. They'd throw the grate across, cook up burgers, dogs, whatever. Wood fired. Uh, <laughs> me being the, the young idiot that I was, you know, a lot's changed over the years, but, uh, <laughs> not really. Um, <laughs> uh, I remember looking in and seeing the logs that were in there and I'm, I'm, you know, eight year old me, Hey, the log is white. It must be done. You know? Mm-hmm. So I'm like, I'm going to reach in, pull it out, you know? So what happens? Danny reaches in grabs the white log with the red ember underneath of the ash (laughs) and then goes running and screaming to find mom who is somewhere somewhere you know because that's just what it was you know you look at it today's standards it's like oh my god that was abuse that was neglect you poor child your your parents were alcoholics yeah um no you know it's just they probably thought I had a little more sense than I did <laughs> and thought my cousin was a little more responsible than she was, you know, but meanwhile, I'm an idiot and my cousin's pointing from behind a tree laughing. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> you know, things things were different, but no, it's like you said, you know, that we were left to fend for ourselves because uh when you think about it, I can't remember exactly who it was. I want to say it was um Who's the guy that hosts the Cosmos? Neil deGrasse Tyson. Neil deGrasse Tyson. There was a saying by Neil deGrasse Tyson that I, I will forever remember in my mind. Every child is born a scientist. Mm. It's just certain parents teach the scientist out of the children. Children survive on a pass or fail level almost like a scientist does. You know, mm. you do that oh shit, that hurt, don't do that again, you know? <laughs> <laughs> and um, I think, you know, that's that's the way. We were the one of the last generations to be raised that way. Mm-hmm. Everything needs to be coddled nowadays. Everything needs padded surfaces, you know. You, you have to remember everyone's safe word. You got to watch what you say. You might hurt someone else's feelings because mm. you never know how they're going to react. Mm based upon whether they actually have some kind of mental illness or they are perceived in their own mind to have some kind of mental illness, Mm. if that makes sense at all. Oh, it does. My oldest daughter um, actually has some kind of IEP at school. And the reason that she has an IEP at school is because in eighth grade, she looked at a teacher and she said, I don't feel like it. So she decided that at some point she just didn't feel like doing school anymore. So she stopped doing school. Next thing I know, we are in this whirlwind of craziness trying to figure out what is wrong with this, you know, eighth grade teenage girl who all of a sudden just figured out that if she says no, nothing's going to (laughs) happen. And as a parent, I was mortified. Like, who the hell do you think you are? Like, that teacher obviously told you to do this work. You do it. But then, like, 15-year-old me is like, damn, 
Why didn't <laughs> I think of that? Like, I could have just looked at any point in time and just been like, meh. <laughs> you know, like, who cares? The world would have been an easier place. <laughs> and, I mean, in her in her defense, you know, she was very overwhelmed, you know, and she, she doesn't do well under pressure, right? Do I think she has mental illness? Maybe. Do I think that she's just being a... 15-year-old teenage girl who figured out the system is flawed? Yeah, probably. Yeah. yeah. You know, I... Oh, I mean, you think of teenagers. You know, they're going into new life experiences that they have no idea about. Their fucking hormones are raging. Mm. You know, they, they got fucking hair growing out of places they didn't <laughs> even know hair grew out of. Their lips. How the fuck are they supposed to handle that shit? Exactly. And I feel like parents don't make it any easier because parents are, like you said, they coddle. They coddle now. You know, it's like, oh, I'm so sorry this happened to you. Oh, let's sit down and try to figure it out. My mom would have beat my ass. Plain and simple. If I'd have came home from school and my teacher had called and said, you know, Danielle did not hand in her assignment today, my mom would have been like, don't worry. It'll be there tomorrow. And then I'd have went to school the next day and had to stand the rest of the class because my mother would have beat my ass. Yep. I can't do that now. My kids know the number for social services because they teach it at the school. <laughs> <laughs> they have it on speed dial if I try to get them to eat broccoli. Like, yeah. Yep. We, we, we teach the kids that it's okay. It's okay to, you know, not, I, I don't know. We, we just crippled them. We crippled them by not letting them do things on their own. So now, you know, when a child acts up, they have ADHD. You know, if a child doesn't want to go to school, they have anxiety. If, you know, you're an adult and you're unsatisfied with your life, you're depressed. So now you talked about your daughter. Yeah. 15. 15. This all started in eighth grade. Yeah. So uh, the transition from eighth grade to uh, sophomore in high school. She is now, yeah. Um, has it gotten better, worse? Is it something that's more manageable? So we did sign her up for counseling and she is on a specialized IEP at school. And I actually just yesterday received an email from her history teacher letting me know that her grade had dropped from a 79 to a 37 because she decided to not take a quiz and not turn into homework assignments. So it's always funny too the way they word the emails because they know, you know, they're just like, listen, she's such a wonder to have in class. You know, we've grown up together. Tiptoeing around yes, the issue. You know, we we really are struggling right now. You know, if you could just do something, just figure it out. You know, and then I spent all day at work going, I'm gonna go home, I'm gonna whoop her ass. I'm gonna <laughs> whoop her ass. Like I'm done. I'm done with this shit. So then I come home and I'm like, hey, listen. Because now I'm back to mom, IEP, anxiety, child has some kind of emotional disorder. And I'm like, listen, you're going to have to give me your phone. No electronics. You're grounded. we got to bring that grade up. You know better. Like, let's, let's work this out. Then she went and locked herself in her room for an hour and a half in the dark, laying in her bed because I took her phone away. <laughs> See, now, if that sounds like anything to me, now, obviously, I have no experience being a 15-year-old girl. Um... <laughs> I have known quite a few of them in my years, you know, and uh, it sounds pretty normal. Yeah. You know, and it, not discrediting what she feels she goes through, um, not discrediting what she actually goes through. Maybe she just 
doesn't realize that it is normal behavior or normal things happen that she doesn't know how to address and deal with. It's funny that you say the word normal because as you're saying it, I'm thinking in my head, what is this obsession with normal? normal. So the reason that my daughter feels like something is wrong, something is always wrong, is because of that word, that normal word. Being on social media and watching TV and, and you know, just being exposed to all of these things have caused her to have some very strange idea of what normal is. So for her, she does compare herself to these other people, but fictional people, these, these people who have these Instagram accounts and, and their life seems so glamorous and you know what she sees on Facebook and you know different gifts and memes and shows on TV and and you know she thinks that she deserves a sweet 16 and she's gonna get that car the day she turns 16 you know and and her life is gonna be some kind of fairy tale and everything is just gonna work out so when I tell her hey listen you know it is normal to smell you know now that you're a teenager it is normal to have these feelings of awkwardness you know it is totally everything that is happening to you has happened to every other girl on this planet and it is normal she resents that because it's not the normal she thinks it should be or maybe it's because i'm discrediting her individuality you know so for me to tell her that everything in her life that is crumbling around her in her words you know maybe telling her that it's normal is the thing that causes her to go over the edge because she doesn't want that she wants to feel like her problems are bigger than everybody else's maybe that's that's the problem that you know our generation is having to us it's normal like everything is normal. We've been there, we've done it, we've experienced it. We're telling you it's nothing to worry about. But maybe because of them, everything that, you know, they've seen and they've done and they've heard, you know, maybe for them, telling them it's normal is the worst possible thing on the planet. <laughs> Do you ever remember anybody telling you it was normal? Um, I mean, there were a lot of things that I remember being normal, you know. Um, but I mean, somebody directly telling you it's normal. Yeah. Because, you know, now that now that we're talking, um, I'm thinking in my mind, you know, our parents were very hand off, hands off mm. our parents generation. We we learned. Yeah. You know, I remember I had a picture of the notorious B.I.G. standing in front of a 1969 Cadillac hanging on my bedroom wall. And I'm like, I will fucking own that car <laughs> one day. You know, I'm 35 years old. I own a piece of shit Dodge Ram pickup truck. Mm. <laughs> I'm not dressed in a nice suit with a, a walking cane with my Lincoln parked behind me, you know? But I had nobody telling me, hey, you know, this is life. I had to learn that shit for myself. So maybe the future generation is partly our mistake mm. because we're trying to explain it to them instead of just letting them learn. Yes, yes. Amen to that. That makes total sense, too. Uh, I, yeah. It's fucking crazy, right? <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, yeah, because when you think about it, you know, like, we don't want our children to make the same mistakes that we did. Exactly. So we want to give them every possible chance to make the right decision, which is what our parents did, too, you know, and 
um, even if they were hands off, like that was because probably, you know, their mom at the time was a stay at home mom and the dad went to work and they spent all day just sitting there taking their volumes, you know, making meatloaf, you know, and then they were like, well, I don't want to be like my mother. I want to go to work, you know, and, and, you know, the dads are like, well, you know, I don't want to beat my wife and drink beer on Friday. Like I want to play golf and wear makeup. <laughs> <laughs> I don't discredit men wearing makeup if that's what your thing is. Do it. Interesting um, twist here. I'm just saying what people do nowadays. Will... Some people would call that a mental disorder in itself. Oh, <laughs> uh, you know, we're just. You know, my thing is fucking party on, Wayne. Yeah, I, <laughs> I don't judge. Um, maybe a little bit. <laughs> I keep that to myself and my followers. Um, but yeah, you know, so we maybe like I would explain why we keep telling our children that things are nothing to worry about. Maybe that's why we sign them up for so many activities, you know, because we're trying to keep them out of trouble, you know, and maybe that's why we made up all these excuses for them to feel like whatever's going on is more normal. Like maybe that's where these labels come from because we just don't want them to struggle. I think you're absolutely right with that. You know, I, I myself, I, struggled like a motherfucker mm -hmm. as most people our age now did um well most people i know our age did. <laughs> <laughs> um i can't say you know a lot for those kids born in the suburbs who you know had things handed to them their mental health issues are all their own joey's not going to recognize my new nose and uh Cindy's jacket isn't going to match the leather piping on my interior of my new Corvette. But, um, <laughs> Cindy's a bitch anyway. Yeah, right? <laughs> but what I do want to say, though, is that we have focused a lot on children. Yes. Right? So, I mean, focusing more on adults. Let me ask you a question. Okay. As far as anxiety disorders are concerned, like for adults, do you feel like that is a first world problem okay so when i was in my teenage years my late teenage early 20s years i had been in situations where i literally should have feared for my life but for whatever reason i didn't you know i i made it through those situations the end of the night i might have been like wow that was fucked up you know like holy shit but you know it was normal almost no not normal but um you know now i'm a truck driver I spend anywhere from 7 hours to 16 hours isolated in the cab of my truck. I've been sitting in traffic where I'm literally sitting parked with the air brakes on. Nobody is moving around me. Nobody is looking at me. Nobody is talking to me. Just staring out the window into bright space. And for whatever reason, my fight or flight reflex kicks in. And I start to feel like I'm in a life or death situation. Even though there is literally nothing going on around me mm. that is in my opinion the key definition of anxiety yeah um you know if a big motherfucker walks up to me in a bar and you know he's like hey you know who's that woman she's going home with me tonight speaking to my wife i'm like well fuck you buddy you know <laughs> <laughs> i don't fucking care i'll beat his ass and even if i don't in my mind i still think i can beat your ass so i'm gonna try you know but sitting there with zero happening in the world i'm scared to fucking death and i'm not even sure what of yeah yeah i can totally empathize and sympathize with that because i can fully function 
in society. I can laugh, I can joke, if I don't know you, it's fine. But put me in a situation where like, I have to go to somebody's house for a party, you know, and there's gonna be people there I don't know. Oh my God, like I will literally slit your throat to not go. <laughs> because in the beginning when it's first brought to my attention that like, hey, you know, we have to go do this. Then at first like I'm okay with it. And I'm like, okay, yeah, I can totally go. I can totally do this. And then the more I think about it, the more I'm like, oh no, wait. I, I don't want to go. I don't want to do this. And then I start to list the reasons why I don't want to do this. So then I'm like, ooh, well, I bet her house is disgusting. Ooh, I bet she can't cook. Like, why would I even want to go there? Ooh, I, I just, she's ugly. Like, <laughs> I don't want to spend the night with an ugly person. Ooh, her husband tells terrible jokes. We've never met her husband. It doesn't fucking matter if I never met her husband because I don't fucking like him, right? So in, and then I start thinking in my head, I'm like, okay, how do I get out of this? What could I possibly do so that I don't have to go? So then I'm like, okay, so I could fake an illness, right? I could stay late at work. Nobody can control that, right? I could pick a fight with my husband. That is the easiest thing in the world to do because I just know exactly what's gonna piss him off and I go for it, jugular, every time. Or, I mean, you know, I wouldn't put it past myself to like, you know, pinch you know, one of the kids, they would start crying. Oh God, they just don't want to go. They're so upset. They're tired. They're cranky. Just leave me here. I'll take care of the kids. That is horrible. <laughs> but you do what you're going to do. Like, I don't want to go. Like, I fucking hate this woman. I never met her a day in my life. I don't know anybody else at this party. I hate them too. So I don't want to go. So like one of the other things that always seems to be a trigger for me is like, you know, uh, I shop on the yard sale website a lot. So then people are always like, you know, oh, come pick it up. And I'm like, okay, so I'll be like, hey, you know, husband, can you go pick this up for me? And then he's like, well, can't you just do it? Well, I can, I don't want to, but I can, you know, so I get the directions and I put them in on my phone and, and I put my phone down and I'm checking it all day, like just looking, I gotta go here. It's gonna take me 13 minutes from where I'm at. 13 minutes, I follow these streets, I'm watching, I'm looking, I'm thinking about it, 13 minutes, right? So the more I think about it, I'm like, oh God, I'm gonna be murdered, I'm gonna die. I'm going to get in an accident. Nobody's even going to know where I am. I'm going to knock on this door. <laughs> I'm going to wipe it in my basement, put lotion on myself just to make sure my skin is supple. <laughs> and um, so then I get in the car. Now I'm panicking. I'm like, oh my God, okay, I can do this. I kind of know where I'm going. I'm checking, I'm checking, you know, and then I have to turn the radio down because I can't focus. I can't focus if the radio is playing music and I'm trying to listen <laughs> the directions. The next turn might be in three miles, but I need to know that it's coming up in three miles. So I can't think of anything else. God forbid it's raining. The windshield wipers are going. I'll die before I leave those windshield wipers on because just the thought of tick, 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 tick. I can't do it. I can't handle it. God forbid there's a kid in the back that's trying to ask me a question or my husband is trying to tell me which way I'm supposed to go. No, not happening. I get so fucking angry and I don't know why because then I'm like, oh my God, I don't even know why I'm fucking going. Do I really even need this thing? I don't understand why my husband just couldn't go. He's a big man. He could defend himself. No, he sends me to go do it. Obviously, he doesn't fucking care about me. So I'm just going to go die. going to go pick up this, you know, pair of fucking shoes or whatever and I'm just gonna be murdered it's fine fuck him you know and then I get there and I'm like yeah fuck you I made it I made it I picked up these shoes and guess what I'm still alive no thanks to you then I get home and my husband's like hey how'd that go you know to get your shoes I'm like yeah totally picked them up dick you know <laughs> and uh and then I think about it later and I'm like god I wasted so much energy <laughs> just being angry for no reason, you know, but that's, 
that's my anxiety. You know, that's my anxiety story. <laughs> so not to make fun of you, but your anxiety story sounds like a Lifetime movie. <laughs> it feels... All in a matter of 10 minutes? It was, it was a 13-minute drive. 13-minute drive, that's it. <laughs> <laughs> but to me, like, that is just the process. And it, like, I don't know why it happens, but I go from zero to 120, you know, up to 300, back down to 120, 300, back down to 90, and then I slowly come to a stop. And then I think about how ridiculous I must sound to people or how funny, because when I go off at work and I'm telling these stories and I'm telling people about how I almost died from that guy selling me the shoes on the yard sale website, they, they think it's hilarious. Whereas I literally was on the edge of my seat, you know, just planning my funeral. <laughs> but then I'm fine. You know, so it's like I can function and then these things happen and then I can go right back to functioning. So I don't like to be labeled as having anxiety. I don't like to think about myself as, you know, having a, an illness. But I mean, I do, but I function, you know, and I feel. So it's not so much as an illness as it is just overthinking. Oh, no, it is. It's not anything I can control. You know, and when you think about anxiety, you know, that is, to me, what what the definition would be. You know, the fact that you can't stop yourself from overthinking the situation. I don't really think that the guy is going to kill me when I pick up the shoes. But because my brain is already in overdrive, it will literally play every single scenario that could potentially happen. And I can't stop it. Like there is no amount of anything that I could do that would pause this panic or this anxiety from happening. So I truly believe that we have anxiety. Like I believe that these things do happen, but I think it's how we react to them and how we overcome them. You know, it's not going to stop me from going to pick up something else on the yard sale website. Am I still going to ask my husband to do it? Yeah. Am I still going to call him a dick when I come home and I'm not dead? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm still going to do it because I can overcome my anxiety. So now is this something that's ingrained in you or do you think it's something that, you know, happened because of past situations or it just one day appears. It one day appeared. I didn't, I didn't have anxiety before. You know, it was just something that one day I was triggered. Now I've always had anger issues. You know, I've always been very quick to fly off the handle. Um, that's ingrained. <laughs> <laughs> I will pick a fight with a bitch at a bar because she has shaken her butt too much on the pool table. Even if I'm not playing pool, it doesn't matter. <laughs> I think I actually remember that happening. Yeah, yeah. Uh, shout out to one of our listeners, Danny Clayton. I believe you were the bartender that night. <laughs> um, but, you know, it's, it's like I said, to me, it's just oh, it's overcoming that adversity. Whereas today, in today's society, we are just so quick to be like, oh, nope, you have anxiety. You know, stay home. Here's Social Security. You know, don't be anxious. Take a Xanax. You'll be good. You know, like, oh, it's too stressful for you to go to work. That's fine. Stay home. You know, here's a computer. Do your job there. You know, like, I have, I, I'm in a very stressful situation. Like, party planning is not easy. You know, you have deadlines. You have to call these people. Look, one of my things is, like, calling people. Like, adulting is hard. 
Yeah. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. <laughs> Even just calling to make myself like a dentist appointment is like the hardest thing on the planet. And I don't care about going to the dentist. Like him poking my teeth and telling me I don't floss. Like, that's fine. Fuck you. Who cares? <laughs> the calling is what's hard. Yeah. <laughs> you know, but it's it's that overcoming. It's that telling yourself like, hey, listen. You got to make this phone call. You got to do this. And then doing it, being proud of yourself and moving on. And I feel like we don't push ourselves. You know, so today in today's society, it's perfectly okay to not push yourself. We'll see now. How would you go about fixing that? In my experience that I shared with you and your experience that you just finished sharing with me, two completely different things. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm sure, you know, you probably haven't experienced what I have and I haven't experienced what you have. Mm -hmm. According to the World Health Organization, 405 million people in the world suffer from some form of anxiety. Is it just like a fingerprint? Is there no two identical forms? There is no two identical forms of anxiety. There is no two forms of schizophrenia, depression, any type of mental illness, whether it's just, you know, insomnia, overeating, everybody's case is different. But if you push yourself into those uncomfortable situations, if you prove to yourself over and over again that you can get to your goal, you can do these things, I truly believe that that number would go down. I feel like when it becomes too hard, we just stop. We just stop because it's it's too hard. You know, you want to lose 20 pounds? Okay, go on a diet. And it's too hard, you know. But then we hate ourselves. We hate ourselves. We're like, oh, God, you know, like, well, I'm fat, you know. But I can't stop eating cake. Well, duh. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like, the two obviously don't go together. So have some self-control, you know. Don't eat as much cake <laughs> you know if you have a fear of roller coasters well i don't know maybe don't go on the one that's going to flip you upside down and then you will never ride one again but make sure that you know when you go to the kitty park you ride the little dragon one that goes around three times with your children now i have to stop you for a second because i'm starting to feel personally attacked here yeah well <laughs> as i'm sitting here and i'm thinking about it i'm like you know it, it you have pushed yourself like i've seen it like you hate that log flume man but every year it was a tradition we got on that log flume you know and eventually it, i own that fucker yes yes <laughs> and you overcame it but every year it was a struggle even though you've done it you know and we would get up <laughs> the thing and you'd be like is it supposed to run like that oh my god why is it slowing are we supposed to turn left you know, yes, Danny, we're supposed to turn left. Yes, we're to shut up. Just shut up. Put your hands up. The camera's coming. You know, so we, <laughs> you know, and then afterwards, didn't you feel some kind of accomplishment? Like, I didn't think I could do that, but I did it. I mean, for a split second, mostly I was feeling wet and, <laughs> <laughs> and like, yeah, thank God it's over. But no, I understand what you're saying. Yeah. Um, to anybody that's listening right now that doesn't know, Danielle is my wife. Um, yeah, so. Danny's the dick husband who won't fucking pick up my stuff on the yard sale website. <clears throat> so don't stop listening just because I'm a dick. Just embrace it and treat it as part of the experience. I do, after our wedding vows. 
<laughs> but I mean, for me personally, what I have learned is, you know, for myself, my own self, how I overcome it and how I try to help other people overcome, you know, their insecurities, their, you know, anxieties, their stressors, you know, whatever you want to call it is just, you need to set goals and then you need to accomplish them. Nothing in life is easy, you know, and that's the way that I was raised, you know, so whether the way I was raised or not has anything to do with the anxieties or pressures that I feel, it also helps me be the person that I am, you know, so I'm not going to let these things stand in my way. I'm not going to sit at home and collect social security because it's too hard for me to go to my, my job you know, regardless of what that is, you know, and when my children have these anxieties and these pressures and these, you know, unrealistic expectations that they put on themselves that really push them into that box that causes them to have those anxieties, I let them know, listen, there is no box and you are you and that's okay. You know, anything that you are, anything that you think, anything that you feel, that's you, that's you and that's fine. Don't let anybody else ever tell you that anything you're doing is wrong because it's not. They're wrong. You know, so I really just try to push people up because sometimes that's all they need. They just needed someone to push them, not cloud them in activities, not, you know, smother them, you know, but just tell them, suck it up, cupcake, put your big girl panties on and you can do this. And if you need me to put my foot in your ass, I'll do it. You know, I remember, I read a study once. Um, I had talked about this before. I wish I could remember who the study was by so I could quote them on it because they, they definitely deserve a lot of credit with the information that was brought out of this. Uh, they took people who were diagnosed with anxiety, um, crippling anxiety, that they were not able to overcome even the slightest, most mundane everyday tasks. And they scanned, they did like a, uh, like a brain scan where they scanned the waves. Um, and they noticed that they would force these people to do it and they would scan them. And then the next day they would do it again and they would scan them and so on and so forth over a certain period of time. And eventually uh, their brain was not reacting the same way. It's almost like they rewired themselves to be able to do this. So... That being said, um, I, I have to go back to what you said. You know, you just got to suck it up and do it and get over it. And eventually you will learn that it is okay. You know, there is nothing to be afraid of. There's nothing to be anxious about. Um, you know, it, it's, it's life and you can overcome it. Mm -hmm. Yep, because, um, I mean, it, it really is amazing at what the brain is capable of. And you have trained yourself to be anxious, you know, whether you knew you were doing it or not, you know, so you can train yourself to not be as anxious. I feel like anxiety, not as a mental illness, but as an actual emotion is perfectly normal, you know, and I feel like everybody has it and it's that fight or flight, you know, it's, it's, oh God, you know, is this the right decision? Is this what I should be doing? You know, versus I'm just going to do it. You know, fuck it. You know, so I feel like that feeling is perfectly normal, but I feel like what we do with it is where we reprogram our brain. You know, so rejection is hard, you know, and I really feel like that is one of the defining factors that 
you know, causes the anxiety for people. You know, you spend your whole life being loved and coddled and getting your participation trophies and, you know, you, you just move up in a system even though you weren't the best, you know, and then you become an adult and you can't deal, you can't handle, you can't figure out what you're doing wrong because your whole life you've been great, you know, and, and now you're not great. So most people, they just stop trying. <laughs> yes, because rejection is hard. Adulting is hard. You've spent your whole life, somebody else doing it for you, making you feel so good about yourself. And now you don't feel good about yourself and everything you do is wrong and you just can't seem to get ahead, you know, and you know, that's, that's the part of adulting where you got to kind of be like, okay, so I suck personally. Let me take a look at this and figure out what I can do to be better, you know, and work towards that you know, goal, which is what I was saying earlier, you know, make yourself better, work on your problems because no one else is going to do that for you. And taking a magical pill, you know, to kind of numb it down, you know, if that's what you need to do in the beginning, do it, you know, get to that goal, you know, and again, I'm not saying that, you know, there isn't real mental illness and I'm not saying that there are people who absolutely need medication and treatment, you know, those people I understand, but I'm saying there is a number, there is a percentage of people who just need to realize that, you know, their problems are their problems and they can fix it. All right. So I think that is an excellent place to end tonight's episode. Uh, I want to thank everyone for tuning in. Um, you know, hopefully you learned a few things, heard some things you agreed with, maybe heard some things you didn't agree with, and that's okay. You know, everyone has an opinion, and just because my opinion is different from yours and your opinion is different from my co-host doesn't make any of our opinions less valid. That's the point here at Real Conversations. I want to have real conversations with real fucking people. You know, I want to know what other people's opinions are. So on that note, I'd love to thank my lovely co-host, Danielle, for being here tonight. Yes, thank you for having me. It was it was fun. It was fun, especially on our debut episode one, Bon Voyage. Yes! <laughs> <laughs> First and foremost, I want to thank you, ladies and gentlemen, for stopping by to check out our debut episode one for the brand new podcast, Real Conversations with Real Fucking People. Make sure you tune back in next week where we'll have a whole different guest on talking about a whole new subject. With how crazy the times are right now, you never know what's going to come up. So again, thank you for listening in and always remember to keep it real.